0: back, Everyone, to the next edition of the FCC podcast. I am your current commissioner and host, Kirk Swanner. Joining me today, we've got a very special guest, uh, the man, the myth, the legend from FAU, Mr. Peter Lawrence. Peter, how are you doing? Cheers, Kirk. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, we've had so many productive conversations this year. And I'm glad to finally get one on the podcast. Yeah, we've we definitely had a lot of conversations this year. <laughs> I'm not gonna call them all productive, typically, yeah. be yelling at you guys, but um. I am appreciative of your patience with me this year. Uh, yeah, there's a. But no, yeah, I'm,
1: it goes both ways, right?
0: Right. Yeah. So I am <laughs> glad to have you on the podcast because I, you know, I want to get some uh, students' opinions about the the year and the league and the conference setup and all that type of stuff. But uh, before we get there, Peter, let's just hear a little bit of background on you. Uh, how long the you been playing, uh, were you experience coming in what drew you to the game all that good stuff
1: right so originally my family's from Trinidad and Tobago uh, my grandpa paid my dad played my uncles played so traditionally just coming from a line of ruggers had ball in hand at a very young age um, I played when I was eight years old in Key Biscayne didn't really get into it a whole lot my brother kind of took off running with it he ended up at life and then I didn't really get into it until I was a freshman at FGCU Uh, I got involved very quickly there, became treasurer my freshman year, uh, stayed there for my sophomore year, and then I ended up transferring to FAU, uh, where I broke my collarbone immediately. Um, And then I had so much time on my hands that I got involved with the administration at FAU, where I became vice president, uh, where I successfully ran the club with Shane Ulrich for about two and a half years. We had a great 2020 season before covid Um, obviously the U23 season was pretty successful. And then most recently in fall of 2021, I resigned and I was graciously elected captain of FAU this year, which was, which was probably the the prouder achievements that I've accomplished. So it's been a, it's been a good, big, good year.
0: So like the three of the toughest years you could possibly have. So we had like the COVID shutdown to the U23, which was like difficult as shit to get through. Mm-hmm. To the yeah, to now this season. Uh, so yeah, man. It, what are your thoughts on like the conference? Like, what do you think we're trying to do? And is that work? Yeah, let's just get uh, let's just hear a student's opinion about the conference and all that. Yeah, go.
1: Dude, I, I love I you know I I think the FCC is so good. I, I think it's like spectacular. There's so much rugby and such a short, uh, it's such a large concentration of rugby and such a it's not, a, it's not very far to get to many teams. Um, we, I think, you know, I've talked to, the, talked to you this, about this a lot. Uh, the autonomy that the FCC has is like kind of our leverage um, where we can really make a premier conference and just elevate our game. And um, there's, there's teams that are still not included in the FCC that can be included. And in I, think, I think that's a whole other discussion. But um, as far as this year coming back from COVID, I mean, I think I think it went according to plan. I mean, what more could you ask for? Obviously, FGCU dropping out wasn't ideal. Um, you know, that's my former club too, so that, that's kind of a sore spot. But you know, there's other clubs to take their spot. I mean, Miami Miami seems like they're ready to make that step to come up. Eckert College, I know, is a great a great rugby school. Ave Maria is kind of like on that on that line on the fence there. Um, but I mean, the round robin tournament that we had where we played each other once, and then we went to playoffs. I think that's that was a great way to revive the conference. Uh, going forward for next year, maybe we might want to revert back to what we were doing in 2020, where you have a Southern conference or a Southern division, a Northern division. You play everyone in your conference, or, I mean, your division twice, and then you play everyone in the, the other division once, and then you go into playoffs. I believe the way you had it structured in 2020 was – the first two seeds from each division, uh, go to the playoffs, but I could be wrong.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. So yeah. uh, in 19, were you at FGCU? Uh
1: 19
0: 19
1: spring, I was at FGCU, 19 okay. fall, I was at FAU.
0: Right. So FG, so the 19 and 20 was the exact same setup. Uh 20 it was um and not FGCU. Uh 2020 was right. FGCU came in. So right. yeah, no the The hard part right now with the FCC at seven teams is that there's no good way to have like kind of the single round robins, the only way you can have like a balanced schedule, right? Because every week right. somebody's off. So yeah, if we want to go back to divisional play, you know, have a Northern Northern division, Southern division, we need either to drop a team to get to six or to pick up a team and get to eight. So right seven is like the worst the place to be in um because mm-hmm. it takes you seven weeks to play six games right because every week ha- somebody has to be off so you got to play everyone once in the bye weeks so it takes you seven games, seven weeks to play six games if you get if we get to eight a single round robin takes seven weeks right because no one you could you can schedule with nobody off um right on a six team yeah. you know we could do um I mean, we could go the same thing in divisional stuff. You can go double round robin, no <laughs> playoffs, like there's tons of ways mm-hmm. we can we can cut it. So yeah, the where we go from here is a really interesting question. Um,
1: I think we got to remain the autonomy, man. I really do. I think the independent, consoli- independent yeah, autonomy. consolidating the FCC, I think is like a very good idea. Like just in just from a perspective of approaching schools with continuity and saying that, hey, we've built this conference with all Florida schools. Every public school in Florida has a successful program for the most part. And look at all the events that we do together, we need more funding. I think that would, that's a spectacular pitch rather than going up into the D1 single A where we're traveling out of state. We don't really have control uh, of our own destiny. And uh, I think it's going to be a harder sale, a harder sell to the schools
0: um d1a is actually you have full autonomy you, you, like really? I, actually had, I actually had a conversation with cra this week about it and uh, yeah d one so like let's look at d1a real quick um the conferences in d1a um you have the red river that's five teams in texas mm. which is baylor texas a&m ut austin oklahoma and north texas You have the Big Ten, which they play in the fall. Um, Their teams are – let's see, I'm pulling it up right here. Their teams are Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Purdue, Wisconsin. They didn't send anybody to the D1A playoffs. Um, You got the California League, which has Cal Poly, Grand Canyon, UC San Diego, Santa Clara – St. Mary's, Cal Poly, or sorry, not, UC Davis and UC Santa Barbara. Um, the other divisions you get the Mid South, which is the buzzsaw with life and Davenport, Arkansas State, and Linenwood. The PAC is a four team conference Arizona, Cal, UCLA, and Utah. And then what else we got? Rocky Mountain, Colorado. <laughs> Arizona, sorry, Air Force, BYU, Colorado, Colorado State, University of New Mexico, Utah State, Utah Valley, Wyoming. So, you know, in those conferences, right, you got the big dogs, you know, the entire Mid-South. I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to deal with the Mid-South at all, right? And so, my, yeah. actually, I would prefer if we go D1A, the entire conference goes D1A. Right. Right. And so then, actually, in D one A, we could potentially go D one A, and not participate in the playoff structure and just push for bowl games. You know, which I, I think actually,
1: I, I like that idea. I really I, do.
0: I think the bowl games are better, right? Like we could yeah. look at the ACR, which is the American Collegiate Rugby. Uh, pick some acronyms, anyways. Um, <laughs> pick some acronyms. <laughs> they're yeah. the they're the guys at the D one AA conf thing, association thing that takes place at this time, you know, and those, you know, you have the Pacific West, which is like Chico state, Fresno state, uh, UC, Santa Cruz. um, I got the file right here. Let me pull it up. Here we go. Pacific West, Fresno state, Chico state, Stanford, UC, Santa Cruz, Sacramento state, university, of Nevada, Reno. You got the Gold Coast, which has Long Beach State, uh, Cal State Long Beach, Claremont, Arizona State, UC San Diego, New York Costa. Of those five, Claremont likes to compete at the small college level because they're a tiny college, but they're great. You got Heart of America, Arkansas, Iowa, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, Oklahoma State, Truman State. You got the Pacific Northwest, which is University of Oregon, Washington, Western Washington, Boise State, Washington State, University of Washington, Oregon State, Yeah, the Lone Star, which is going off
1: right now, Kirk. You're going off. Sam
0: Houston, Texas State, UT Dallas, UT El Paso, UT San Antonio, and then you got the Rocky Mountain, which is Colorado Mines, Colorado Mesa, Montana State, Idaho, Idaho State, Denver, New Mexico, Regis University, and Western Colorado. My point is that I, so those guys, right? They, you know, the Eastern bracket met in Kansas. Four teams went there, and then they have to go again for another trip, right? the right. D3 men's like so like the, how much like,
1: how many of these schools get like are like significantly backed by the school though like I, I bet you the allocation is like a lot larger than what we get.
0: I bet you it's not actually it's not right I talked to Arizona State, right you know they're a massive school same size as UCF there mm-hmm. they don't get dick you know Cal State Long Beach doesn't get anything They get field space well they have a field that you know but they have to go through the same process of getting it. Like Claremont college is like basically like an Ivy, a West coast Ivy league school. So they got a significant backer that helps them out. But a lot of those programs don't have that much financial support. Right. I talked to, um, what was it? Cal Poly, uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. You know, they're in the California D1A league. You know, I could show you, I took a photo of their field, right. It's this shitty, Not even the wheeled, you know, like the little cart that you push around with the striping paint. It's like the marking paint, which is the real thin shit, right? So (laughs) we're not far off, actually. And there's a Mm. bunch of programs that don't get that much money, right? Like um, a friend of mine that lives here, his wife works for Cal Poly Pomona, which is another large state school here around the corner from me. She works in the campus rec department and she wanted, they wanted to get a rugby team going, but yeah, they were you're not going to get any money. So mm-hmm. the programs that do have some money, the majority of the money comes from alumni full stop oh. college. It like money doesn't grow on trees for schools. We're not really good. You're not going to be able to go and ask the school for more money. Well, you're better off doing. like. Even, do you know how Jack, you know, how Cal Berkeley became varsity. I do not know. Okay. Uh in the they're a hundred and something years old. Do you know how many head coaches they've had at Cal?
1: Probably more than more than enough. Six. Six.
0: Wow. Okay. Six. Okay. So Jack Clark's been in charge since uh he's in like year 37 or something. The guy before him was in charge for eight years. The guy before him was in charge for 40 years. His name's Doc Hudson. And so just in there, right? It's like 70 years in three coaches. So- That's excellent. Incredible. So Doc, Doc Hudson was a Kiwi dentist that lived in Berkeley and they would consistently go on tours, right? So in order to go on a tour, you have to be administratively strong enough to be able to organize and execute said tour, right? And so between Doc Hudson and then the guy before Jack Clark, that was 50 years basically worth of alumni building, right? Jack Clark gets in charge he sees Title IX coming down the road <laughs> mm-hmm. and he understands how that he understands how that's like going to impact him so basically he goes to his alumni base and asks, hey we need to make an endowment and he just right. gets multiple million dollars gives it to the school as an endowment and now the school takes that money they invest it and the club operates off the interest but mm. so like that is the m- best way to guarantee a club goes varsity you, Jack Larson calls it the philanthropy model. You yeah. raise, and then you take that money, you give it to the school, and then you operate off the interest. Uh, eight or so years ago, decade ago, something like that, uh, UC system cut the funding to the, the, sorry, state of California cut funding to the UC schools. And so then some of the UC schools were gonna cut funding to at some of the athletics. And so they were cut funding to women's programs Therefore, UC Berkeley would have been out of compliance because of Title IX because it didn't have enough women's representation. Right. So The men's rugby team pays for women's sports. They have that much money in the bank that they could pay for some other sports yeah. operational budget so they can stay in their varsity status. Yeah,
1: hopefully, uh, hopefully this Morgan Stanley gig works out for me and I can uh, put money <laughs> in a fund for FAU and we can operate off interest.
0: Yeah. So that's why that's why I just hammer home administration, be as big of a club as you can be. So you build your alumni base as fast as possible. You then tax that alumni base for your your, Mm year, you know, like you do all those are the things I've been talking about forever.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's so what I want us to be able to do in the FCC is not be at the winds of national winds of change, right? Like when a national winds of change happens, we're not affected because that was happening before. Every time something changes, it happens. Like that's what happens in the men's right now. Like this is why Boca, not Boca, uh, crew, they, they're the next time they play is in like four weeks from now in Houston, but then Palm Beach, who's the D3 men's, they have to go to Knoxville, I think, this weekend. And then two weeks later, they win there and they have to go to Houston. But, anyways, um, because the winds have changed, changed for D2 to D3. And so, then this is what happened when we were in the Cirque. You know, the Florida schools were in the Cirque first, it was all spring conference, and then it went to a fall spring conference. And then, you know, all this stuff changes, and we were constantly changing and scrambling and it was so different. So I want us to be able to control our macro schedule. That's the number one thing right. for me. So for I me, agree. yeah. So, I agree. And I,
1: I think, I think winning the state is definitely more significant than going out of state and beating some random team that you're not going to play for another year or, you know,
0: I, I just <laughs> don't think the cost.
1: Yeah. The cost is, yeah.
0: The cost you're going to, the money you're going to spend to go and chase a national title does not outweigh the value you're going to get from it it's yeah. going to be more costly yeah. than it is valuable and so yeah. by making the local uh competition more valuable like,
1: elevating it yeah
0: yeah elevate we're, we're driving more value from so, it. and and then go on a tour or go on a bowl yeah.
1: kind of kind of to pick piggyback off of that um making the local competition better What how are you how do you feel about adding two or three teams to make 10 10 a 10 team conference
0: what i love about this year is the average point differential 50 percent of the games is 12 points or less i don't think any conference in america is that tight um if we go and add three teams and they're below the standard um i don't think that's great right i want to be able to add a team that's going to be able to compete because the tighter games (laughs) are more fun from a player perspective because they're efforts are more meaningful to the outcome of the game
1: I, I hear what you're saying i hear what you're saying
0: i think i think i think
1: eckert is a strong yeah strong choice uh, they, yeah. they have a good program man yeah i'm not just saying that because I, I would like to i would like my boys to go play on their pitch they have the best pitch in they have the best they're not they have the they have the best pitch in florida by they do far, have the best but pitch it is besides incredible. the point they have they actually do have a good program um
0: they also their field is right in the middle of all the dorms right and then like you get all yeah the...
1: oh man it's amazing yeah. i mean yeah, the, yeah. the probably the most spectators are at that i mean every college rugby player's dreams to play at Eckert. they don't even know it yet <laughs> no i'm telling you man I, I used to play there five times a year i think uh four times a year it was spectacular i loved it i mean we used to get our ass kicked by them but you know
0: right yeah it's no, still I, brilliant
1: still a good I, time
0: i am with you um yeah, yeah, so the, the probably the team that's next one in up it would be Eckerd, but the pro, you know so let's just look at the track record. Um, <laughs> oh, this is important. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not talking about their track. But Like UM, you know, we brought mm-hmm. up UM before they were ready. Right. They forfeited every match. They didn't want to participate in uh, eligibility standards. You know, we bring it back to ECU. They struggle. You know, and so like yeah. the yeah. worst thing you can do is is forfeit. A, is have forfeits because when you're running a program right the number one thing that has to happen is that when you say something is going to happen it must happen because the right. moment it doesn't you lose credibility with the players
1: so so for those programs that are you know they're not quite there yet what is the transparent benchmark that you're looking for them to meet before they can join the FCC is what
0: my question would be to you money how much revenue money. are you bringing in how much because to okay. me revenue is a proxy for administration i think good like you could cover up bad coaching with good admin you can't cover up a good balance sheet yeah right you can't can't cover up bad administration with with good coaching it doesn't work the other way around Mm. it's not as effective the other way around right so you know like you you need to be able to travel long distances in florida Right, you have to be able to do it. I think I forget that.
1: I forget that how big Florida is compared to you know most states.
0: Well, it's just this logistical nightmare, right? Like For the folks. Tallahassee
1: to Tallahassee to Miami is a a nightmare. Yeah.
0: It is not awful. I mean, I I drove it all the time because I grew up in Broward, so I have nine five four number, so I would drive. Oh, really? Oh, brilliant. I grew up in Weston, well, in Bonaventure, the poor man's Weston. Oh, wow. Um, Nice. So, um, but I mean, so I. when you're in Tallahassee, you just, the Tallahassee guys know that you just have to travel. And then it's, it's the South Florida guys that always bitch about traveling. It's,
1: that's cool. true, man. We're spoiled down here. You are like, yeah. you
0: cunts are so. you need to just get over it and understand have, you have
1: to travel. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're spoiled down here for sure. I mean, we got, like, a, we got all the fun. I mean, I, okay. No, that, there's only
0: one way for you to go and that's the north. Yeah, north. 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 <laughs> north. Right. Like for, for like, Florida. everyone else
1: they're going east west south like when you yeah. do
0: that return trip to lsu if you guys do it i'd be uh you know that's a 14 hour drive from you guys right and yeah probably gonna have to fly to that uh well yep yeah, maybe uh that'll yeah. be uh so like a bus right i harp on buses because there's so the, much the 10 hour travel
1: the 10 hour rule though, yes. you'd have to have two drivers, I think. Yep. Any, anytime uh, yeah. you take
0: a bus trip over 10 hours, you have to have a right. bus driver and that's when it gets yeah. significantly more expensive. That's so. sticky. Yeah. That's a sticky yep. situation there. <laughs> so the 10 hour, so in a 10 hour radius of you guys, like you're getting maybe to Atlanta mm-hmm. in a 10 hour radius of, of, you know, Florida. Maybe get up
1: to Marietta and play live. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Florida can get <laughs> to LSU. They can get to Tennessee. They can get to yeah. North Carolina. Like there's a bunch more teams that they can go and play. So yeah. Um, but the supporter base for Florida and Florida State is in South Florida. The majority of the kids come from South Florida. So it's of like course. yeah, that the, the, that's the attraction that the south florida has for those north Florida teams is that they get to go home and see their parents and friends and families and blah 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 so um yeah so that's why like to me the strength of the fcc is playing in florida because you know for those guys up north yes they can go play other people but their families and their friends are down south so right on. Uh, and they don't get to do that very much Where some of you guys that live you know around the corner your parents can see you anytime you want so
1: yeah i think for me i mean i'm biased obviously because i'm an fcc player but I mean, I view the FCC kind of like Six Nations. Like, it's like, I just think it's so much, I think it's, I think it, the potential's limitless. I think, like, I was even, uh even like the youth rugby's getting so good now. I was watching some of the high school rugby uh, the past weekend. Man, these kids are playing, like, some high-level rugby, man. Like, it's impressive stuff. Nice. And, uh, you know, even like, I know, obviously, our conference has a little ways to go, but the rugby's getting better, man. The ball is moving. You know what I mean? It's not it's not like crash ball, knock on, crash ball, knock on anymore. It's the ball is getting out there and scoring tries and it's competitive tight games. I mean, it's exactly what you, what you would want, especially in a season coming back from where two programs weren't active during the U 23, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's impressive.
0: What would it take to grow? Um, To me, like we need to be moving. um, We need to be taking steps forward as programs, right? Like we need to be, Mm -hmm. Uh everyone, tra- you know, so like I, I say for me, I use revenue as, as my gauge because that's you know, I'm not there. I'm not seeing it on a daily basis. So to me, revenue is a way that kids are going to give you their money. They're much less likely to give you their time. So if you can keep more kids engaged, you're going to get their money. Does that, does that make sense?
1: Yeah. You know, so, yeah, that's why the two sides are so important. <laughs> Uh, well, just the feeder program development
0: yeah i mean how, how does that work at fau i mean have you got have you ever played two teams have you ever played an a and a B side on the same day for you guys
1: uh are you asking if we've ever had 30 active players
0: yeah with your t- with your tenure um, there
1: li- listen we would have had that this year we lost uh about 10 guys to injury before spring mm. um which is like it was just unheard of man we were, we were losing guys left and right uh, we had ACLs, hamstrings, A few guys walked away because of concussions, you know, I mean, it was just brutal, brutal, brutal fall semester. Um, we had some guy. we had some foreign exchange students that were only here
0: for the fall, which kind of sucked. It would have been nice to have them for the spring. So um, let's, let's go through your fall season. Actually, I do want to break that down a bit. Like it was a long one, right? Yeah. What's what, what's my perspective on what, what a good fall season would look like? Yeah. Um,
1: so. I was actually talking about this with Steve. Uh, he was saying how, you know, that sevens should come first because we play sevens in Florida during the summer. Um, and it doesn't really make sense to uh, play 15s in August, September, October, and switch to sevens in the, in, in the later fall because, you know, you're kind of disrupting the 15s and the sevens. You might as well just get all the sevens out of the way in early September or, or late September, early October, and then start the you know, start ramping up 15s towards the end of fall. Um, the, the thing that I run into that we, for some reason, we, we decided to play a bunch of men's teams in the fall. Well, uh, yeah, which you is you know no choice. Yeah, we had no choice. <laughs> yeah, like, argue, you know, you can argue that that's better to develop and play, or, I mean, you, you know, you play a different level of competition. I honestly would prefer to develop the FCC, develop relationships with, you know, other college students, and, like, just network. You know, like that's like the more enjoyable part of rugby for me. You know, how, uh, how many like creating friendships on other teams I've found so fulfilling. Like yeah. I have, I have at least one friend on every team in the FCC and it's, it's a. Uh, uh, I might be missing on FSU, but I mean, uh,
0: they're, they're a bunch of nice guys. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ben, Ben, Ben's a good nine. I respected him. He's a good, yeah. good guy. Um, all but, right. So
0: how many, <laughs> so let's talk about for 15s a 15th preseason how yeah. many games do you think is the right number of games you play as a 15th Dude, preseason
1: you know what i was thinking man like i was thinking if you were to do what would be sick then this is kind of out of pocket but if we were to go back to the old way of doing things right where in the spring we had the two divisions the two co- the two yep. divisions in the right yep. in the fall we do a round robin tournament Like, you see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. You don't think that, you don't think that would get old?
1: I think, I think it would be nice to try, you know, just Uh see. I I think it'd be interesting. Like a little, like a little, like a little, see who can you know rack up the most wins and the most points at the end of the six or seven games or whatever it is.
0: So you think, you think you need to be playing six or seven games in the fall?
1: Is that too much? It could be right. I mean, we played, we played that amount.
0: So I I know you did. And
1: like, did it help, you know? So my opinion
0: on, is that too much, that's too much, too much rugby. I man. would. So to me, I would think it is because the mm-hmm. college kids should have a college experience and a, and a rugby experience, but their entire ru- college experience should not be rugby. The right. ones that choose that they'll get it. But like, yeah. this is, you know, when you build a, when you talk about like building a program, Mm -hmm. Like you will jump through a thousand hoops to play rugby, right? Right. How do we build a program that will be able to retain someone that's willing to jump through one hoop? I I see what you're
1: saying. Yeah. That's that's a good perspective to have. You you
0: don't, -hmm. don't build for the top 15, build for 16 through 30, build for 30
1: (laughs) through 45. You know, and not all of them
0: are going to be perfect top end athletes.
1: I have a, I have a, I have a, an adjusted answer. I think so maybe we go back to doing the two fall tournament, fall sevens tournaments, like early, uh, late September, early October. And then we do like two Florida days for 15s where you do like a med, like a, like a 30 minute match against, you know, two teams. And then the next following weekend, you, you switch it up again and you're playing different teams.
0: So let's talk about, um, the one sevens tournament this year was not enough because yeah
1: we need two of those for sure man in. we need
0: we need yeah. and I would say one's a warm up for seeding and then the winner the second one's a winner take all I agree with that man I agree so, with that so then you know like let's we'll go back to the beginning of the FCC so in the beginning of the FCC I was like listen we need to start with sevens and run it as high performance don't run everybody right. I tell everyone the first two weeks, you should actually not practice because I think you should actually have everybody recruiting the shit out of every possible person you can. So that way, when you do start up, you have the biggest number of people out there. And that gives the perspective to new players that this is important stuff. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, man. When you have a shit ton of people out there, people are like, okay, this is legit, you know? yeah and, and, then, wow. go and ahead, then you sorry. gotta then you gotta retain them but mm-hmm. um so i was wow. saying don't don't do your 15s in the beginning do sevens in the beginning go high performance only you know mm-hmm. just take 50, the top 15 players and do right that. shut down it,
1: the type 5 early on
0: yeah build that muscle and yeah. then there was like well we like to use the sevens as skill development and team in club development and then we'll switch into the 15s like okay let's do that right so then we'll have second and third divisions sevens right which the Clydesdale division never took off um we did have some programs that would run a second side but then you know like the problem with sevens is that 15s is a game for all shapes and sizes right but sevens yeah it's, is yeah only a game of all shapes and sizes if you're playing similar shapes and sizes Right? Yeah, like, if
1: you're fast and yeah, I mean yeah, traditionally it's just fast, speedy guys who can catch. Yeah. Yeah. So I,
0: so I think now <laughs> like Enoch, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, you be good. <laughs> like Enoch. <laughs> so it's funny when Ronnie this year said he felt like they had better retention by not starting with sevens.
1: Really? Yeah, that's interesting. It, that's yeah. a good yeah.
0: So yeah. I, I think uh, a good 15s preseason. Well, one, I don't think colleges should be playing in the summertime because if they're not at full strength, don't damage, don't potentially put your brand out there to get damaged. That's my opinion. FAU being, having more local kids, you probably can play and be fine. Right. Florida, Florida State, UNF, you know, a lot of these other programs aren't at full strength. And so I don't think they should play. That's my opinion on it. But right, I think a adequate 15th preseason is seven weeks long total. You train for the first three weeks and then you play four weeks of competition in a row. The first one could be an inner squad or whatever. Right. And then you do and then just go play three or four games. And that's it. Right. Yeah, you should. Your coaching should be good enough to teach the basics in those seven weeks so that when you come back for the spring. Like you're able to compete. Yeah, and see, I think that also,
1: that also makes, I mean, it, it, there's no arbitrary right answer, right? Like it all right. sounds good. It just something needs to, yeah. I think, I, I mean, either way you cut it, I think it, you know.
0: The purpose like, of the 15s good. preseason is to sink the hooks in. Right. That's it. Yeah. But the yeah. people that use the fall mm-hmm. to develop for the spring, like you're going to make the season so long, you're going to be less attractive to more people. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And like, to me, the way that you grow a club is you get this huge pyramid, right? The clubs will mm-hmm. be this pyramid and like the top end athletes are only there at the top. And there's just a, you know, there's not, not everyone's going to be a top end athlete, full stop, but Probably everyone's money is the same. Right. And then the bigger this pyramid is, the more better athletes. you yeah. gonna have, though.
1: So, so maybe you just need to put it on the schedule. Like, Hey, you guys are doing a friendly in September 15th friendly, like yeah like like, like, uh apply the structure and i'm sure the clubs will follow suit and then you know if the it doesn't really matter when the tournaments are right like yeah, You, know, so you I, can argue that, that we should continue sevens from the summer. You can argue that, you know, we, we want to set the precedent as 15s rugby because that's like kind of our main staple. I well, mean, you know,
0: this is my, this is my thinking. Like, again, there's no good answer, but yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm going to tell Pete, I'm not going to tell you what, what you should do. I'm gonna tell you what I think you should do. And it's up to you to do whatever you want. Right. Right. So I think school starts August 22nd, right? So yeah. August 26th is, or sorry, August 27th is a Saturday. And then September third, so I would say you don't train until uh, September fifth or sixth. I think September fifth is probably uh, Labor Day, or Memorial Day, whichever holiday. Right it is. on. Yeah. Start okay. start that week, right? So you train that week. You train the week of the seventeenth, and you train the week of the twenty fourth. Maybe you do it in your squad on the twenty fourth. Maybe you don't. And then you get one, two, three, four weeks in a row where you do competition. You play games on the on all of the October. 8th. October 8th, October 8th, 1st, uh, 8th, 15th, 22nd. If you want to go 29th, fine. And then transition into sevens, right? And yeah. I think uh all Florida Day is gonna be October 9th or November 19th. It's gonna be the Saturday before Thanksgiving. And I think that should be the winner take all sevens tournament at all Florida Day. And that would be kind of that'd be kind of awesome. And we can do a one day yeah. tournament or a two day tournament, that's up for discussion. How we want to do that,
1: wow. Then- okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because all four days like good exposure for the college guys, so, you know, yep. they have men's teams there, women's teams there.
0: So then, all, two weeks before stuff. that, we'll host um, a north and a south competition same day, two regional sevens comps, warm ups, every open to every non all FCC and non FCC yeah. teams, anybody, any U23. I don't care, bring people in. We'll play a bunch of sevens. We'll use the results for seedings for all Florida day. And I think that would be great because then all your type five guys, you know, if your last game was October 22nd, that's like the, that's Halloween. They get the fucking party and, yeah. and also go work out all awesome. of November, all of yeah. December. And if you get <laughs> like, you could take just 15 people and run sevens that high, super high performance sevens. You push them to dark places, all that type of stuff. Everyone else, maybe you do once a week skills training and then it's gym time. And those are the two things. And that's it. It's not competition. You get your weekends off. Like I, you, yeah. you can work you can do all yep. these. And I think you could, you could attract a shit ton of people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that I would uh, suggest if you do the all Florida day thing, um, maybe have like a, a conference banquet, man. Have all the teams. Yeah come together that'd be nice I mean it doesn't even have to be that day just like just like uh just for you know development and networking and I don't know I don't know if that's something to, I would love to, to you know what I mean? mean just get all the clubs at in one place at one time just a social gathering that's like you know very professional very formal yeah it would be, not... it'd be great for the conference I think you know right. at least once a year like yeah. an annual like an annual FCC banquet or whatever you whatever you want to call it
0: I think that, or we bring like a national team player in and we have like a, a captain summit to go along with like a coaching, you know, like we can yeah. do summits in these situations. All, all good stuff, of, mate. All good of stuff. Development.
1: Yeah. And um, then before we switch off as sevens, mate, I also want to uh, throw this your way. I think, um, you know, obviously uh, we usually finish up like early April right. with our, right. Is that not, is that fair to say? yeah like with 15s yeah you should we should always i think we should um we should try to put together an fcc like however many teams we can put into tropical sevens. i think that would be so cool you know maybe i mean i know some teams kind of might want to go by themselves i know eckert went this year um i don't i'm not sure if any fcc went no because they couldn't it was the state final uf went uf went yeah i mean it would be cool to like do like an fcc medley uh team you know these are all these are all like you know uh these are all just ideas obviously but
0: yeah I'm, I'm open for all this stuff you know so yeah like i'm just thinking of ideas to grow the conference
1: i mean like uh, the way i view it man right you we have such we have good schools uh i view the fcc as a little family i mean just rugby in general right that's what the community is all about mm-hmm. and i think it's just a good way to like connect with people from other schools and you know like I, I got, I got mates. Like I said, at, at most schools, uh, you know, Ryan Banneroot at UNF. I'm fairly close with John Salani at Tampa. Uh, you know, like I would love to like have opportunities to play like you know on a conference level with multiple players from other teams.
0: Yeah, I, like we yeah. can, we can do that. You know, like so. Mm-hmm. Typically, I think this year. And
1: I don't know if you should be the one to facilitate that necessarily, but like you know, the push. I mean, I don't know. It's it's just like it's difficult. So I...
0: Yeah. As far as, so as far as schedule goes, there's a couple of things I want to try to do this year. I'm going to send an email out to conferences in the North and see if anybody wants to come down for spring break games. If they do tell me, Oh man. I'll yes. It into, yes. I'll build it into yeah. a schedule. So there's two ways that we can move up, move up the end of the season or sort of, you know, one of 23, 23. So like uh-huh. one, I, I didn't schedule people the first two weeks, the first two weeks of school back. I can just right. do one week off. So if we, if yeah, start the first week think, off, you start the second week. You just you have, have to do
1: like a, you have to do like a Zoom meeting about eligibility, get everyone on board quick.
0: <laughs>
1: like you guys have one week to get this shit together. Yeah, you, you know? should be basically submitting it right away. I should, I should lead that meeting after uh, this year.
0: Yeah, you know it inside <laughs> and out now.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, the other thing we can do is, You know, this year I gave both weekends of spring break off, which is typically what I don't do. I typically only give you the second weekend, not the first weekend. But usually, I try to give the first weekend against your most local comp,
1: right? Like the Friday of your spring break.
0: Play play Thursday. Play Mm Wednesday. Play any other day except for Saturday. You know, right? Yeah, it doesn't Um, have to be a Saturday. I heard you say that recently somewhere. Yeah, and we could cut the quarterfinals, right? We could potentially cut the move the season up by three weeks, but. Mm. The so you're saying we'll-
1: just have a just have a a, a a south championship, a north championship, and then a a, a final,
0: or uh, whatever. You know, I don't yeah. know. We'll see. We'll see what happens if we if we pick up another team or whatever happens. But mm-hmm. there's ways that we can make the end of the season. You know, but what I what I think are like some of the prime time playing weeks is like end of March and April. Like those oh man, yeah. Temperatures right. Mm-hmm. right before it gets disgustingly hot. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right before seven starts. So, <laughs> you know, it. I'm open for anything, right? Like I, I'm not going to dictate what we do. Right. So if the teams come to a consensus on things, we'll do it. I don't care. So i mean, Peter, what, where, where did we screw up this year? What, or what some uh, grievances, uh, you know, FAU loves a bitch. So let's hear the grievances. Oh man. You know, so <sighs>
1: You know, I I really kind of like to hold our club to this to a standard. I I wouldn't say maybe maybe it's not me who's doing the bitching, but <laughs> um, I think you know I think this goes for any club, right? You you gotta from the top down. You kind of have to instill the rugby culture, and, and the rugby culture is you know respect your opponents, respect your respect your coaches, respect the the referees, and um, you know winning at all costs is not a, a a strategy that you should follow because it's going to rob you of a lot of the value that rugby is here to give you. Um, you know, we have a beautiful game here that we shouldn't ruin. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's certain integrity levels you need to meet and certain standards you should hold your club to and hold your players to. And, uh, I think, you know, simply we just, we came short this year, man. Uh, there's a lot of things that we could have done differently from an administrative perspective. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for wh- why we, we had our shortcomings. We just did. Uh, um, I and and I that. think it was I think it was a, uh, a excellent learning uh, experience for our younger guys. Um, I'm extremely proud of Jake. Uh, you know, he's had a rough first year, but I think like I think it's only going to it's only going to do good for him in the future. And. You know, he's got a head on his shoulders, and uh, I think he's going to lead the club in the right direction. I think this is a, a, a perfect uh, experience and a great learning curve for most of us. Unfortunately, for me, it's my last year. I uh, definitely didn't want this to happen, but, you know, it is what it is, man. And uh, to be fair, we, we did get run into a lot of trouble with the school. They, you know, destroyed our field last year. Um, uh, I don't know how other schools do it, but we have to file paperwork through the sports rec and then the rec answers to the student union. So we we usually get a lot of our support from the rec, um, but we don't get support from the union. And, uh, but I'm happy to say that one of our players got elected to the the rec board. So uh, one of our players is the treasurer for the sports rec. So he's gonna be probably our direct liaison to the student union going forward. Uh, Incredibly proud of this guy. This guy is one of our guys who got injured in the fall. He tore his ACL um and he's just been at every pra- every training session he's been super uh proactive and he got elected uh, as treasurer of the the sports club council which is uh shout out to him is connor gilks uh he's the best a promising player
0: man to beat bureaucratic power is be better
1: you, than the man. schools man
0: there's that so yes so be better than the school so that they can't come down with you with their bureaucracy, but the way to beat bureaucracy, yeah. there's two ways to do it. One is coercion, you know, like be, become friends with them. And the right. other one is democratic power. So get people yeah. elected into positions that can then usurp this bureaucracy. So, of
1: course. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, you guys just did. and another thing that we, we struggled with is just, uh, I mean, the communication was poor. I mean, uh, you know, just, we need to do a better job of communicating.
0: Uh, You're about uh, you're talking about internally in the club. The communication was that great. Talking, uh, no, tr- I'm talking wide, my my level.
1: Uh, I think I think yeah, no, no, I think both sides, right? I mean, okay. no one's. And I was really... actually
0: asking what did what did I screw up? What I want. Yeah, yeah, you
1: know, honestly, I know it might be like a pain in the ass for you to do, but like maybe like a um like a just like I think something that would really help clubs out because I know we str- uh, multiple teams struggle with eligibility issues. Right. Um, just just do like a a meeting in the. In the first week of spring semester yeah right early January do a meeting like hey guys like this is what we need this is the criteria if your player is graduating in the summer he can take less than 12 credits or if he's graduating in the spring right because we ran into that issue uh, because we had a player who's graduating in the in the fall and we kind of didn't count the summer semester which was an eligibility issue and then we ran into some gpa issues as well that you know just unfortunate um yeah
0: yeah, no, uh, so, we're going to put together, like, uh, a podcast of, like, hey, this is what eligibility, this is how you right. do and, and we'll make it much more crystal clear, and we're going to get rid of the form, and it's just going to be a checklist, like, you have this, you know, like, seventh year player, I need I need I need an um, unofficial transcript, you know, like, he's graduating, just show me the proof of, uh, like, uh, some, you know, proof that he's applied for graduation. Honestly. In that semester, just show me something else.
1: Yeah. Honestly, the the uh the registrar form is really not that complicated it's it's really not you fuck you walk in there you hand it to them you wait for 30 minutes and they just check everything off and like the, there's really no excuse not to get the registrar to sign off on your players um, you
0: also take a gift card with you like thank yeah. you yeah
1: starbucks gift card something you know. so the the problem is you run into these players who try to be sneaky about it because they may know that they not they might not meet some of the requirements and like you know, it's kind of hard to like you know, you can, it's very easy to miss one player on the list, right? So you yep. hand it to the registrar, and then yep. you find out that they're not on that list, and then you print out an individual sheet for them to take, and you find out that they they tell you that they took it, they didn't take it, so then you have to do it again, and then you find out that they don't meet the requirements that are nec- uh, that are you know the eligibility requirements through the through the league. Um, So that's where I I was kind of harping on the integrity things and just being uh, transparent, you know? Yeah. With your, with your, you have to be transparent with your administration. I mean, like, uh, like as a player, it's not easy running a club. It's actually really hard. Um, I know like people think it's a joke and and stuff, but you know, it's not a joke. Those, those, those monthly meetings that you have to go to when you're president of a club, um like those seminars you have to attend to remain in good standing with your school those those dates sneak up on you and when you have an active schedule you know when you have exams that you're studying for those dates sneak up on you and you're like god damn it, i have to go to this meeting and no one else is going to do it so you have to do it um there's yeah. things like that and um yeah so you know it's hard to point the finger at exactly what's wrong in fau this year uh I don't think anything wrong with you
0: guys. I'll put it that way. Like there is just, it's just just learning curve, these learning mm -hmm. situations that you have to go through, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. I try to talk about some of this stuff. You know, I try to, I'll try to do a better job at being three weeks ahead of where you should be at administratively with some podcasts next year. I'll try to you know, yeah, like I, I try to do that at the end, of, you know, this one, like, uh, light at the end of the tunnel, you know, a couple of things you should be wrapping up. I'll try to continue to stay ahead of people. So then it's like, oh, Hey, he talked about this. Let's make sure we do it. Yeah.
1: I, I think you're doing a good job with the podcast, man. I think it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. Conversation is productive and having Alex Goff on every once in a while is always good. Yeah. what do you think about his, uh, feedback there? Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I mean, uh feedback on fsu was great i mean fsu uh, they did a great job this year grand slam it's not an easy thing to do uh hats off to them yeah i was surprised yeah i would yeah wow (laughs) yeah i'm i'm just happy that uh you know our game against ucf was fairly close so i'm happy that ucf was you know within four points of fsu so we were somewhat competitive you know um
0: yeah, I, you guys are
1: yeah. Yeah, we were a lot better um in real life than on paper. I, I like the way you said that. Um <laughs> yeah, uh, that so we awesome. just yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't look at the
0: standings. The standings isn't really what <laughs>
1: <Yeah. laughs> didn't do us any favors.
0: <laughs> so, the de- like the depth is what kills you on these longer. So, one, mm-hmm. I like longer seasons because the cream can rise to the top. I hate these right. four, five game things, which were the ab- the norm. During like uh, when Florida, all Florida was in division, all the four college, colleges were in D2 and this and that. And so, especially when you have to do these national championship pathways that start when you come back from spring break. So to me, this is why we want these longer seasons. I, I personally think the the right number is about eight, right? So that's why I did the quarterfinals this year. Cause it basically gets everybody to seven. Some teams got to eight. UCF played nine games this fall uh, or this spring, um, but I think the right number is like eight to ten if we can get in there. Mm-hmm. When we did the ten yeah. game regular season, that was too much.
1: I liked it, man. I gotta be honest. Well, yeah, maybe that's because you- we were six and zero. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And- we had the buzzsaw coming though. You we had, had the buzzsaw coming. FSU, Three- USF, and UCF back to back. That would have been. That would have been. That would have been the test.
0: Three games on the trot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. I I was so
1: disappointed with COVID that year. Because- Me too, man. The conference was was bumping. I know. I know. You say that like uh, you didn't think FGCU was ready, but. Um, you know, I think I'm a strong believer. It's like the same thing with like Italy and Six Nations, right? Like you have these these arguments that uh, that South Africa should take their spot. I think I think the lower competition deserves a spot, man. I think I think that's one way they're going to elevate their game. I know I know that the p- opinion is that like oh, they're going to be getting destroyed by teams and they're going to be uninspired and the program's going to fall apart. Um, I mean. I think that's a pessimistic way to go about it. I I would
0: say there's a slight nuance difference between yeah professional national teams and right. I see what you're saying.
1: Teams. I see what you're saying. So, um, but I think yeah. I think the the conceptualization there is kind of, it's kind of similar. No, I, no, I hear you. I hear you.
0: Like yeah, I, the like I said, the worst thing that can happen are forfeits.
1: So right, I,
0: right. How how can you like that's
1: deflating? That's deflating
0: for sure. Right, it's the play yeah. for both teams because it right. like because now the coach for the team that was ready to play, you know, he just lost a whole bunch of credibility. You know, now those kids exactly. are exactly. Like, oh, he said there was a game this weekend. Is there really going to be a game this weekend? You know, and so, right. right, like what happens? The
1: continuity falls apart. Right,
0: what happens that we get a we get a contract with Quick Cut to record and stream every game this year? That'd be incredible, man. What happens on forfeits?
1: Yeah, uh, you're just oh, getting it. you're getting an invoice is what God. what happens. <laughs> well, I
0: and and all right, yeah. yeah, and then how do you I be they then how do you how do you help prevent or encourage growth? I don't think it's by being punitive actually. I think you then have to show compassion and yeah. you know, and then go there. Yeah. Right. There. right. Yeah. So, uh, so, you to your question earlier, what's it going to take for someone to join? I want to make sure that they have a roster of uh, over 20 and they have enough revenue coming in if you do that basically i, I think the number should be about seventeen thousand dollars if you have a seventeen thousand dollar a year annual budget which i think a couple of teams in the conference don't um you can withstand the travel within florida and if you can right. travel well your players will enjoy it and they will continue to travel you know like i think asking kids to drive personal cars Mm-hmm. turns a bunch of kids off
1: big liability issue as well yeah huge liability problem big liability issue yeah because
0: what do you think they're doing on the way home you know <laughs> like,
1: uh, yeah yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah Yeah. good point man yeah, so, good point
0: uh you brought up respect you know with refs so you, you're, planning, yeah. you're planning to go ref
1: next year, huh? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, well, I think Roy Monk has uh, – I was talking to Ross. I think Roy Monk is doing a class in sometime in May. I might try and get some sevens action this summer with the whistle, see how I like it. Um, yeah, man, I would love to ref 15s. It's, like, ideal. I just kind of um, – I'm at the point now where I'm graduating and I kind of want to dive headfirst into my career – um so yeah i think reffing might be the best answer for me to stay involved uh for the time being because you know there's not much commitment other than staying fit and you know showing up on saturday to blow the whistle so
0: what has ross said about development pathways for referees
1: i you know i haven't really got into it a whole lot with him uh he just you know he told me you know we're always looking for young guys we're always looking for you know people who know the game and you know he told me like you know i'm a you know a good prospective candidate for for the referee job and you know i think the referees hold uh you know the guard the guardians of the game some would say and you know they have a respected role to play and uh, we definitely need to uh, definitely need to reinforce that in in Florida, and you know, good refs is I think good good refs will will equal good rugby, and you know, I think, yeah, you know, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not get I, out there?
0: So, if you're going to dive headfirst in, into the career, the rugby, the refereeing is going to be a fantastic way because yeah, all you have to do is kind of show mm-hmm. up on the weekend. You don't have to. You don't have the, the weekly yeah. commitments. Then also, um, the pathway is wide is so developed for refs it's just never talked about so yeah like the
1: seven circuit route like you know
0: and then d1a is the development pathway for mlr refs exactly
1: and the mlr is like starting to really pick up speed here so yeah yeah and then cisco is just in uh dubai i think right right. so was incredible man i was basically
0: told you know because i referee out here in southern california i was basically told that if you want to get onto the uh circuit you need to be they need to see you at like mid-20s if you're in your 30s right. you're already on the on the outer edge like you're not right. really going to get seen but right. you're gonna a young ref will help you move up the pathway now <laughs> i was looking up
1: tattoo policies though i was like shit like i've never seen a ref with sleeve like
0: <laughs> oh no i i want to say I've yeah. never seen Kiwi, a ref with
1: a sleeve. I'm like, Oh
0: God, is this an Kiwi, issue in rugby? <laughs> the Kiwi that went to Australia, the the guy that got problems with drinking, he had tats. Okay. Oh yeah. You could just wear a, a, like a long sleeve underarm. Right. Lines. Yeah. 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 Um, here's a question for you. What's your thoughts? Like, what is the role the referees play in the game? Are they a service provider or are they like more integral and maybe more of like a utility
1: there's a there's a there's a nuance there right like with most things um, uh, I want to say the utility thing uh, especially in the like when you're talking in terms of the FRU because um, you know obviously they, their first their first you know priorities to, to, to ref a safe game keep it Safety. keep it level-headed yeah. Safety. Uh Safety first, always. Yep. And then there's just like you know the community part. That I mean, you don't want to exclude the referees from the community. I mean, um, there's there's uh, it's uh, it's it's difficult, you know, because they have to remain they have to keep that professional
0: uh, profile as well. So Um, this is this is my opinion about the refs, and this mm -hmm. is the mindset I take when I go ref, and it's also a mindset of my my buddy Dylan, who's now uh, rugby PA director. He was refing some youth games, so. (laughs) uh when people complain to me about like what's the purpose of the FRU i basically say what's the purpose of your local government local city right. government i think the yeah. fru is like a local governance structure and so a service provider would be like comcast a private company outside the local governance structure that's not um that's not um like they don't have to they don't they, they don't they have no sort of Um, what's word I'm looking for here? Accountability to the constituents, right? Like the constituents are the people that pay to play rugby, right? The FRU is in the business of delivering the experience of playing rugby in Florida, right? And so the the players are the constituents, right? The Mm -hmm. Carrie, the president, she's like the mayor of a city, you know, the vice presidents, they're more of like the city council, Evan, the general manager is like your city manager. Right. And so that's how like the local governance structure kind of set up. Yeah. And I would I think encourage- that's, I
1: think that's, I think that's good that you're saying this, because I think a lot of people are kind of confused with the, who wears what hat. And uh,
0: yeah, yeah. So, sorry, go on. And so, you know, like the council, their job is to direct the, the city employees about which way to run the club. So their job is to direct Evan on, on how to run the union. Right. But, right. um I would say a service provider would then be like Comcast. They can just kind of come in, but they're, they're not responsible to, of like hitting back to the, to the constituents. But I would say a public utility is like the water pipes, right? Like right. you can live in a house without Comcast, without internet. It would suck, but you can do it, but you can't live without water, right? right. Charlie, rugbyFL.com, that's a service provider. Right. Right. Totally outside the governance structure of of rugby and uh, Mm -hmm. the FRU. Of course. So if you are now a public utility, when you go into a game, your job, you're you are a part of the delivery of the experience playing rugby in Florida. And so absolutely need it. You need to make sure it's safe. Right. Then you need to make sure it's fair. And then I think the referee's job is to make sure the game is fun. Right,
1: fun. Yeah, that's a big one, man. Uh, You know, I was talking about when it all cost earlier. Yeah, yeah. So how and that's that's where I feel like Florida rugby starts to deteriorate. Right. Yeah.
0: How how would you make the game more fun?
1: Uh, more fun as a referee or just like as a ref?
0: How would you make the game more fun?
1: Um, man, I I think I mean I think a, a lot of the referees do a good job, and then some of them don't do so much. It's like, you got to get materiality down. You got to get the context down. I mean, there's some calls that are just that slow the game down.
0: Um, so I would, I'd say anything that's like marginally forward, like yeah. let it play, like let anything, it play, anything let it play, that you, man. Anything yeah. that you could say is not a knock on say, right. it's not a knock on.
1: Right. Like a uh, fair contest too, man. Uh, I mean, uh, it,
0: you know, it, in the youth level, if you do the youth games, it needs to be blatantly forward. And even then you can yeah. sometimes let it go. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say the the thing that the, definitely the, the lineouts that I would definitely probably be strict on. Um, I probably would be very strict on the lineouts. Uh, obviously very strict on the scrums.
0: What what part? Of, so the scrums, yes. Uh, like, the, throwing, the throwing. The throwing.
1: Yeah. The throwing, mate. Yeah. The throwing needs to improve. I, I mean, like I'll sit there all day and blow the whistle. If you can't throw the damn ball, you, it's going to be the other team's lineup, man. <laughs> so what,
0: but what about if the opposition doesn't jump? Does it matter if it's not straight?
1: Um, See, look, look, I got to freshen up on my laws here, man.
0: The, the law book says if it's not straight, you blow the whistle. The ARC, yeah. the American Rugby Championship, uh australian yeah. rugby championship sorry the australian national domestic comp they had a couple years back they had a, an experimental law variation which is if the opposition doesn't jump it doesn't matter if it's straight and that's what i that's what yeah, i assume. I
1: would i would probably i'd probably be okay with that but if it's fair contest you know what i mean if they're if they're if the opposition is trying to get the line out yeah. it needs to be in the middle right not Absolutely. in the middle but Absolutely. like like in the in the uh channel per se yeah
0: yeah. And so, if but the opposition doesn't jump, they are foregoing right. their competition, their ability yeah. to compete. So then why do you care if it's a fair contest right. or not? Right on,
1: yeah. Um, and I, another thing that bothers me is the friggin' uh, when when forward pods are crashing and the uh, the latch. The, it's a it's uh, a new law, but I mean, the latched forward just falls to the ground with the tackled man. <laughs> it's like check, impossible to poach. Yeah,
0: that's the. That game management guidelines. Because yeah. typically, if you go to ground, you have to make contact with somebody and move them and fall past the ball. If you fall on top right. of the ball, that's probably yeah, Not yeah, right. uh, yeah. So then the other so, thing I would say is you need to... So this is what I was told when I started it Ready? Keep your penalty mm-hmm. counts to less than 20. If you want to get into the MLR, they want to see less than 20 penalties in a game. So you yeah. get 20... There's going to be more than 20, but you need to manage your way out of that.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't be calling everything. It's, it's why I kind of said materiality and, and uh, you know, your call has to have some context. You know, like there's, there's multiple times where they'll call off sides and like uh, the scrum half will go the other direction. I tend to agree with that because the scrum well, half could have went to the weak side, but because they- they're offside, he didn't.
0: Yeah, are the refs tend to agree with telling you to get back though? Or are they just like staying right? Playing?
1: Like they need to stand in the and like yeah, they need to be so verbal about it. I, my my,
0: I, my opinion on the refs is that one, like coaches put so much when when coaches complain about refs, it's because they it's like one of my pet peeves, man. I don't think you can do it. I don't think you
1: should do it. I mean, I unless was, it's unless it's a safety issue, right. That, yeah. Like
0: if you're complaining about a ref, it's probably because like, you're not like, you're better off focusing internally on your team. Like the referee is right. outside yeah. your control. So don't really focus on it. When a ref makes a just keep going. Right. So I exactly. think that we put yep. too much expectations on our refs to be like professional level referees. Of course. Yeah. We create this frustration for ourselves when, if we just say, okay, yep, just move on. Like, don't we want yeah, the referees to be consistent right and so if there's inconsistency yeah. that can be frustrating but uh,
1: i will say um i will say Haley slaughter did a fantastic job this year uh she is great she did a spectacular job this year i just wanted to put that out there i thought she right. was definitely one of the better referees this year uh mark martinovich also spectacular uh, he's the father right yeah he's yeah of kai yeah uh kai always good good job um you know well, well managed games there. Um, right. Alfredo, yeah. you know Alfredo did did well enough. Didn't let he did let us do uh, those uncontested scrums, but uh, uh-huh. yeah, Alfredo, Alfredo Alfredo usually refs a good game. He's a good lad. So, nice. uh, those are the referees. Uh, uh, obviously, I would love to see Pat O'Donnell out there. I know he's
0: on the West Coast, but uh, right, yeah, here's F G C U days coming back around.
1: So oh man, Pat Pat was refing the game when I uh, broke my collarbone oh man yeah gnarly dump tackle (laughs) (laughs) um yeah
0: so we're at like i think we're about an hour now so any yeah yeah, comments questions you got or anything? no man i just
1: want to say that i'm uh eternally grateful to the fru and the fcc uh it's been a spectacular run man it's been the best five years of my life uh i would love to thank all the coaches from gomez at fsu kenny at uf uh Peter Murphy at UNF, uh, Austin, the USF, Ronnie at FIU. And uh, I, feel, I feel like I'm missing someone. Oh, Evan. Evan. Yeah, Evan's a good lad. Uh, really appreciated the, uh, our latest trip to Orlando. He, he, he was very grateful and uh, for doing what we did up there after the playoff game and uh, was well reciprocated. So. Yeah, man. I just wanted to thank. Oh, and my own coach, Steve. Uh, it's been a spectacular conference, and I hope it. You know, the sky's the limit. So, hopefully, yeah. we can continue to uh, shatter glass ceilings. And I truly believe the SEC will be the best conference in this in the country. I know that's uh, that may sound arrogant, but we'll see, mate. <laughs> I think it already
0: is the best conference. What are we are talking about? <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. So yeah. All right, uh, yeah, Peter. Thanks for your time, man. And uh, I want. I do want to thank you. And Steve and um, Jake, Jake, and your all your team, like your whole team, for what you guys did up there in Orlando to stay the night, your treasure, all oh, that man. stuff. So That's I'm very this... grateful for the hoops that you guys jumped through to make sure that game came off. So yeah,
1: man, you gotta do what's best for the conference, what's best for the game, right? So right. Cheers, yeah. Kirk. Thanks. Yeah, buddy.
0: Have a great day, man. You too, man.